owning your decisions, own who you are, um, and, and just don't try and be anything else. So even if you're setting a vision and if you're trying to live it out, you don't turn up and pretend at all. Just be you and trust that you are what is needed for that to be realised. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, leaders. Thank you for tuning in to the very first episode of Lead Podcast. We are excited. For our first episode, I am joined with my co-host Amin talking to Liz O'Connell. Liz is an experienced and seasoned leader. She has held various leadership positions and currently is the executive director at Zed Consulting. She will take us through her leadership story, the lessons she has learned as a leader, and what she believes to be the fundamentals of great leadership. I have absolutely no doubt that you will enjoy this episode. Thank you for joining us, Liz. My pleasure. Why don't you start with telling us your story? My story from a leadership perspective or from a personal perspective, where would you like me to go? I think that your personal story eventually ties with your leadership story. So let's start with personal. Start with that. Um, All right. So I am a child of two parents that are still together now who are actually both my sets of grandparents are also still together in partnership and um, still very fortunate to have all around my life and guiding my life which is amazing. I have two children of my own as well so they have great grandparents that are still really active parts of their life. So when you tell me um, to you know, tell about my story, my mind immediately went to family and it went to that intergenerational impact of hearing stories from people that have been before us, um, thinking about how the family comes together, big on the Sunday night dinners, big on the raiding parents' pantries. That's kind of how, how things work for me uh, in my life. I have a sister, really close, even though we're a few years apart very different in our um, ways of approaching our career and our ambitions and uh, but at the end of the day absolutely best friends which is another wonderful thing I think to say. I've been really heavily influenced in my um, both professional and also personal journey by very strong women and really wonderful men. Um, that really push up and promote the women in their worlds as well. And that even goes as far as my grandparents um, who would have lived through a time where that wasn't always the case. And actually my nana and her sisters were all sort of trailblazing the way. So my great aunt was one of the first female university students at Adelaide Uni. Wow. One of the state's first female cricketers. Um, actually was a Catholic nun and worked in Europe through all sorts of challenges that were there, but with the idea of uh, improving what she could around um, the lives for people that were less fortunate. So not so much on the idea of, I guess, preaching religion, if you like, but more about how she could utilise her um, place in the church or community around making sure that people had access to the support they need, the shelter they needed, and so on, and then um, returned back mm. to Australia. Um, very, again, very senior in education and pushing for equalised access to education based on no matter where you live, no matter what your background might be. 
um, really, I guess my family are, are strong-willed <laughs> and that yeah. has definitely played a big part then in how I guess I've, I've transcended through to a leadership role yeah. with the idea of um, taking on new opportunities and thinking about, well, just because something is how it is doesn't mean it has to be like that. And that's kind of the vibe that my family has given to me. Nice. So how, you, you touched on it a little bit there. How does being brought up in such a strong world family affect your leadership style? Yeah, I think it makes you question things and assume you can do something about it if you don't like it. That's how I'd say it transcends into leadership because there aren't many people that I can think of that I've either grown up around by choice or otherwise, and definitely the ones I stay connected to, that are satisfied with just complaining about something or just being frustrated by something, that they aren't going then into a thought of, and I can change it because I am a person with will, with ambition or with um, a different idea and I'm willing to test it. And I think that's the kind of the bridge into my career as being <clears throat> wanting, seeing challenges and wanting to make a difference and being willing to stand by that being the goal. I love it. <laughs> um, I think my favourite part was around uh, storytelling. Yeah. And to your point, Ali, I think you get that a lot, particularly from family, and particularly in your case, when you talk about strong-willed family and sharing stories, inspiring each other, and clearly you're a family of leaders mm -hmm. across so many different domains. But even from, you know, like friends and colleagues, just really like the importance of storytelling. Do you agree with that? Yeah, I do agree with that. And I think you gravitate towards people that are willing to engage in, in stories and create new stories with you. I think that's another big part if I think about outside of family and think towards friends as well and people I choose to spend time with. It's, it is It does come back to what are we doing with our day that's going to create a story for us to tell? Like how are we making an impact with the time we have here? Yeah. And you currently are in leadership position. Mm. Um, what does leadership mean to you personally? Personally, I have a really optimistic view of leadership. So to me, uh, leadership is about strong vision and enabling others to contribute to that. Uh, in a, and I would say that is about the positive ways because I know leadership could, I think, go either way. If you're able to group up followers, you can help um, whatever you want to be achieved. But my view of leadership is around setting a really strong vision that is about improving or bettering a situation or creating an opportunity and enabling others that believe that that also should be the case to contribute to that ambition being realised. Mm. So you touched on vision. Mm. How important is that vision to have one? A clear vision. A clear John Ken. A clear vision a as, clear a vision. as a leader. Yeah, as a leader, how can I have a, like a really clear vision? Yeah, well, I think that that's actually the core of leadership. Absolutely, because if people, in order to lead, I think you must have people that are willing to follow you and to be contributing towards whatever it is that you're doing. If people don't quite understand that, you might have followers for a point of time or you might have people that are interested in what you're doing momentarily, but if they can't really jump on board clearly with whatever the vision is that you're telling them, the time that you gather their contribution, I guess, be minimal. I think it's really important. Like you've got the clarity sense, like being having a very clear vision. How do you communicate that to everyone? I think 
the first word that comes to my mind when you started talking was around relentlessly because it never goes. If you've got your vision and if you know where you're going, you relentlessly signal that in every way. And it comes from things around what kind of culture you establish in the people around you, what you put up with happening versus what you actually step in and intervene on, how you set up systems and structures around social influence as much as around what's on documented paper, I guess, um, how clear you are and how much buy-in you get widely is what the difference is, I think, between what you've talked about, which relies on one person giving, I guess, what I'd say is more like dictatorship style leadership of here's where we're going, follow me and you'll be fine, versus here's the ambition of all of this, you all can contribute, you know how you're contributing, and I'm going to continually communicate to you that your contribution matters, we're still going in this direction, here's how far we are towards that, um, and keeping that fresh, I think, but yeah. In every way. Whenever you had to create a vision, do you usually come up, come, up, come up with it yourself and then trying to communicate it with everyone? Or then, no, you just get everyone involved in creating that vision. In that way, everyone's already on board with because they're a part of the process. Mm, I think it would depend on the circumstance, to be honest. I know the nicer answer is always, yeah, I'd collaborate, but it's not always the case. I think there are some times yeah. when actually it takes determination to choose a different option and then validate why that is the right option and then get people on board with that being the option as well so and I think that I can um, you know each is probably around uh, right style for right part of either a business's model or transformation or a social issue in particular or a restructure as I would think about it they take different things and there's always going to be an element of collaboration when you're trying to roll out the vision definitely because you need to sell that to wherever people happen to be and what their style is what their dream is how they can see their work contributing to that but there are definitely times when I'd say it's actually taken thinking outside of everyone else to come, with some, come up with something that's really quite ambitious or um, different or innovative or could just be controversial, but not necessarily in a bad way. With the latter, how do you get people on board with that? If you come up with something that people haven't thought about, mm. didn't think it was possible, and then out of a sudden, here's what I want. Yeah. How do you get people actually to deliver that? Yeah, that's a good question. I think you need credibility to start with. That mm. wouldn't be the case if you didn't hold a level of credibility with your audience because that would be really hard to just come out with an idea and go, and I'm the best one to tell you this is the right idea just because I say so. It's not that I don't think is going to happen. And it's also not how I personally would view leadership. But actually, I think if you have credibility either in a particular issue or in an organisation or in a, in a system or a setting of itself where your experience has already been validated or you've already proven that you're someone who can be followed well and there's benefits to come, then I think that, that still works. And it's about aligning with the underlying value or purpose of why that is the right vision. If it's going to either help more people or be more efficient or be more efficient Effective or create an opportunity that hadn't been thought of before that people can buy into. It's about clarifying that communication back in a way to people you're expecting to get on board with it in a way they can digest and contribute then to. Yeah. So the question I have in mind is at what point do you become a trusted leader by mm -hmm. your people? 
I think that you, well, I would never say that I've ticked the trust box. You don't get to tick it and have it there forever. Like, yes. achieved it, we're done, we're trusted. It's an ongoing I think, Yeah, absolutely. And never one to be forgotten because you can be um, credible in your industry, you can be really experienced, you can have all the qualifications in the world. But if somebody or the group that you're wanting to get on board with you doesn't trust that you're going to have their back or live the vision that you're trying to create, then that under, under, um, undermines everything that you're doing. So I'd say never taking trust for granted. But at the same time, you can build trust in a relationship but still not have the credibility because someone might think, oh, yeah, I like you, I trust you with my secrets, but I'm not going to follow you on a new idea because I haven't seen that you can achieve something yet. So they are, I think, connected, but I wouldn't say there's necessarily like a causal relationship always. That's often the disaster of working with some family members or friends (laughs) where you've just got that trust (laughs) and then you end up getting into business together. (laughs) That's the first thing that came to mind. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Liz, you wear, you wear many hats. Mm-hmm. Did you want to share your vision with one of those hats? Whichever you want to share with, like, whether it's your startup, your new role that's coming up, your Karen Rose. I guess, uh, so there are different, I guess, visions that I'd say are connected to the objectives of each of the things I'm involved with or trying to lead, but all of them have a similar, very similar vision, which comes back to what I was leaning out I guess when I was talking about my family and my upbringing and my desire to make change I see things that are I guess um, social issues that exist because of systems and structures that are then self-fulfilling prophecy for them never to be changed and so my vision um, is to actually intervene on that to go outside of the policy environments that keep people in certain socioeconomic systems or um, levels of advantage or disadvantage exist because systems are in place that mean people can't break out of it. And I see my vision um, as actually thinking beyond those systems and finding ways to create more equitable access to everyone being able to achieve whatever their ambition is. And that sounds really dreamy and sky high and I'm not not meaning for it to be, but I can think about... um, So say, like, in the education space at the moment, we know here locally where you grow up, as in where your parents can afford to have your house, largely guides the access to education, largely then guides how your reputation beyond when you've been at education, because there's often the point of what school did you go to is then raised um, an idea that... I would love to see is for that to be somewhat eliminated by having equitable access to international education for everyone, Um, sharing school curriculum, allowing people to choose their own pathways towards a career that isn't tied to what suburb you've lived in. And that's just one example, but I'd say my personal vision is to make sure that I'm thinking outside of the structures and making, in every way that I can, a contribution to bettering the circumstances that mean other people um, that maybe might not even realise they haven't got the opportunities of their peers can actually achieve the same. I'm not sure how far are we from potentially ever reaching that. I yeah, I have no idea actually, to be honest. So it's not something I can really comment on. As in, I haven't got an international vision for how I'm going to change any of those systems at the global no, level. I mean, like here but in think, place, like yeah. do we even have the core capabilities or mechanisms or? I guess enablers, whether it's policy, whether it's the people, whether it's departments. 
I guess the How's it looking in Australia? Is it looking yeah. promising? <laughs> well, I think that my challenge is that I see all of the structures that you're talking about and I just want to leave them to do their thing and start something new. Like okay. just if I think that where we're at, um, both globally but even locally, is being able to have an idea and publicly promote it and not like as long as you get enough of a I guess crowd following it, it exists now critical <laughs> and that's mass. exactly critical yeah. mass mm. can override policy and system and I, I would like to use that for bettering like social outcomes essentially so the systems that exist in terms of departments or structures or governments or you know political arenas it doesn't have to be there if there's a different option for it it has to be there at a legislative point of view i'm not talking about going out and just you know completely breaking the law exactly i'm not talking about that but i'm talking about where something can happen or a new product or a new business or a new way of thinking a new system can can emerge that provides a better outcome why not focus on it rather than thinking oh well what's the structure that i need to Exactly, yeah. How do I tweak the edge of something that was probably written 10 to 20 years ago? Just ignore it. Let it exist there. Show a better outcome. Get enough people following it that then it exists on its own. That's that's the I love that. If you can't join them, beat them. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Just override it. Let that do do its thing. There'll always be, I think, an audience for... um, traditional structures like schooling and others but it doesn't mean that other opportunities can't exist next door yeah Liz you've been you've been in leadership roles for a while now mm-hmm. was there a point in your career that you're like yep yeah, I want to lead people I, I, I I'll make a good leader no I don't think no. so actually I don't think I've yeah, ever exactly. <laughs> <laughs> when you asked me that question my head's like I don't think I actually thought about it like that I mean I've I've had feedback obviously in you know structured ways of where my boss might have said to me along the way you know you're doing a really good job at leading and not really thought about it to say yeah actually I want to make people do things my way it's never kind of come through my mind like that but I have always wanted definitely to make change and I think that's the same kind of thing because you can't I don't think, make the type of change at the scale that I have always wanted to without having people that are willing to get on board with that. And that takes leadership Mm. to make things happen. I love that. So you weren't actually pursuing to be a leader as such. It just came to you naturally over... Yeah. yeah. Well, I was definitely pursuing change making. Yeah. And that is, I say, a form of leadership um, and takes definitely the same kinds of structure as being a leader to change things. That's where I started, though. I love that. So that to me means you don't need to have a leadership title to lead. Not at all. And I actually think that that's a big challenge that corporations have is that they assume that people in a leadership determined role are their leaders. And that's not the case. So if you think about it, what the social network that exists in all structures like that, whether it be a business or in anything really, it's the leaders are could be the person sitting next to you, could be someone that you look up to who actually is on a frontline role, but they actually know a heap more about what they're doing than you ever will. So you'll take their advice, you'll follow what they're saying. Um, yeah, I don't think it comes from having a title yeah. at all. I love that example off the front line. Sorry, to jump in. Out <laughs> it just reminded I've me. I've been of, Yeah, me too. It just reminded me of. I think I watched this video a while back around. Um, I think a NASA employee saying something. 
like I'm not going to quote it, but it was something I think along the lines of, you know, at NASA, um, all the janitors have exactly the same value, the same respect as the executives mm-hmm. and as the engineers and everyone else. And because the work they do is incredibly important Absolutely. for us to make us feel safe, feel that this place is clean. Mm-hmm. That's without them, we can't do our work. Without them, nothing goes to space. Definitely. Something. Mm. I mean, like everybody plays a role, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And it's the frontline experience and being able to connect at every level that actually does make you a good leader in terms of in a in an organisation, if we're putting it in that context, and um, I have an executive role of quite a large um, not-for-profit at the moment, and I think it's actually my ability to walk into a site and talk to anyone and understand, or at least um, try and understand, have a conversation about the fact that they know more about their role, they know more about actually what we're doing than I will, and respecting that, showing them that I respect that, showing them that I will take from what they've told me and apply that or talk about it further, spread that word. I think that's what, um, in my experience, adds to credibility, adds to trust, it adds to all of the ways that you're a valid leader, I guess. You just make make them feel like they matter. Absolutely, and they do, yeah. yeah. And it's not disingenuous. It is a a matter. I'm I'm one that loves the conversation. Like that is what I love being paid for, chatting to people. (laughs) That is is yeah. I know that's right. That's my job. Uh, Talk to people. Work out what brings them to work. Sell that to other people so they want to work for us. Make sure that they feel valued in what they're doing. Learn from that. That's yeah. You touched on a good point. Those conversations, yeah. when you go, and go you, you catch up with someone, you see someone in the change room, you see someone in your kitchen at work, and you ask them very deep, meaningful questions, uh, like, what brings you to work? What, how do you feel like you're contributing towards that company, towards the thing you're trying to achieve? Are not quite often done. Mm. We need to do them more, I think, in my opinion. Because then people will start to open up about things that matter. At the moment, like, you go to the kitchen, how you doing? I'm good. How's work? Busy. Yeah. Cool. See you later. That's it's so the true. usual. Or heads down, bums up. Or yeah. um, we've got this report, this whatever due. Mm-hmm. You know, like, I think maybe, like, in short, people are not really vulnerable. Yeah. yeah you know, it's task-oriented conversation, then, yeah. isn't it? And you're never really kind of... Um, unlocking the parts of your brain where the energy is. That's where creativity is. That's where if you get someone talking about why they're passionate about their job, they'll feel passionate about their job for the rest of that afternoon because you've reminded them by asking them. Yeah. Yeah. I think to your point, Ali, before vulnerability is there's the idea of psychological safety, Mm. which goes back to culture. Mm -hmm. So, like... What is the organisation doing? I mean, mean, you don't want to go and just meet the guy and be like, hey, mate, nice to meet you, but what brings you to work? (laughs) You're like, where the heck are you? They ask me that question. So you want to build that kind of fundamental level of understanding. Even for someone who you've known for a year, I think the point I'm trying to make is if you're in in an environment where psychological safety is not a priority, even if you've known someone for two years, you will not feel safe at work to actually share that. Hmm. Um, I think Simon certainly talks a lot about psychological safety in organisations and how that leads to all sort of um, good things in summary. Yeah. And another big piece of his work is around understanding the why of Absolutely. why you exist, why your services exist, why your product is in the market even. Yeah. Honing on the why. Yeah, exactly what you're all about. And I think that's what makes 
not just psychological safety exists in an organisation, but that's what makes the right people choose for, to work in your organisation that then carries the culture that you want. Because mm. you can have the smartest people with you know endless degrees working for a company and it doesn't necessarily mean that they're going to create the environment that you want if your why is you know, something that's actually more about um, an experience, if you like. You yeah. might have heaps of technically smart people that could deliver a production line of products, but if we're talking about, you know, having a role where people feel really purposeful and passionate and want to connect with others through doing it, then that's super important. They have to choose to work there because they believe in what you're doing and are willing to kind of buy into it. Yeah. Was there an experience while you were in your leadership position that has taught you something very valuable. Yeah. Secret um, source. <laughs> well, I wouldn't say it's necessarily secret source because the things that came to my mind first when you asked me that question are really circumstantial more than they're kind of big picture things. Mm -hmm. I think um, at one point in my career, I was given an opportunity to take on an executive role, my first executive role, um, and that required me to step into that position knowing many people wouldn't be happy about it. And that for me was a choice between doing what other people just expected and then sucking it up and living through someone else getting the role and then putting their own spin on where they wanted the company to go versus me feeling like I can trust myself enough to bring all those people that won't be happy about this on board and I'll deal with that and I'll get them on board after I get the job and I'll take the job because I have a really strong vision for how I want this company to go and I'm willing to make myself uncomfortable for that to happen. And that happened um, and that was real and that was really hard but what I learned through that was that with that sort of strong vision, my uh, my desire to make sure that in every way I was open to a conversation, even if that meant that people were being really critical or openly saying, I think it should have gone in a different way or, you know, um, and really kind of, I guess, being comfortable enough in myself to be sitting through that, allowing them to feel valid or validated in their opinion and then offering back to them what I was going to achieve and uh, offering them a point to buy into where I wanted that to go. And that was, that was really challenging, especially because that involved... Um, and this is a story that I am able to share with you because I, I did actually wonder <laughs> if this would come up and I asked and had a conversation about it with those that were involved. Um, in that particular circumstance, it also meant becoming the boss, if you like, on paper of someone that was previously my boss and had been a really strong mentor when I graduated and first started in my career. I had then become a peer and we worked through how that looked to be peers of each other and then was now going to take on a more senior role that then meant that she would report to me. Um, and that was a matter of, I think, um, the trust that we had built between working with each other but also not relying on that and being able to have uncomfortable conversations and transparent conversations but really genuinely saying here's why I feel like I can do a good job and here's why I would love to get the best out of you to help me do an even better job um, and really pulling it back to that alignment between values and purpose to get people that would have assumed they'd never work for me um, on board that was that's a big one wow, that's like a really daunting task <laughs> yeah. I love that because 
what you just told me was just to persevere, keep going, yeah. keep doing it. And what that reminds me of is this five monkey experience. Have you have you heard of that five five monkey experiment? So there was they put the five monkey in a cage. There's only one way to go out, uh, but there's only one of them can go each time. But every time one of them climbed, the others pull pull the monkey down and start beating him. It's bloody. And every time they do, they change the monkey. So one the monkey gets beaten take him out and put a new one in, same scenario happens until the all fives are like all injured and, and, wow. and happy and no one attempts to leave from the, that point forward. So it's a similar experience. <laughs> it's a powerful experiment. No, I think there was one like one question that you touched on earlier um, by I think talking about strong vision and then the importance of talking to different people at different levels, which I think kind of starts circling back to empathy in a way. Mm-hmm. Um, and all this put together they start to form this picture of what are the fundamentals of leadership. Mm. But do you have a view on what are the core fundamentals of great leadership, I suppose? What are the, I don't want to call it the ingredients, Mm -hmm. but, you know, key qualities, I suppose, that Mm -hmm. you think future leaders, you know, might want to consider developing as they're, you know, I guess growing in their careers, in their professional life, in their personal life, are there, I don't want to say top three qualities, but I'm to leave it at key, you know, like trades or qualities that people mm. would really consider working on. Gosh. Uh, yeah, because they will be challenged once they're in that position. Oh, definitely. And I wouldn't say that there's necessarily a, a top three checklist as such because I talk too many words for there to just be three. But the things that came to my yeah. mind when you first started talking yeah. were, I think it's really important for all leaders and aspiring leaders to have a growth mindset and to enable that in others as well. I think people that get fixated on things being done their way or within a more command and control manner Mm. aren't good leaders. I don't think that that's sustainable. I think that that creates a certain level of followership that relies then on you as an individual directing traffic. Whereas for me, um, leadership is actually about achieving more with more people. Therefore, I would go to the style of leadership that's more emotional intelligence driven. So being actively curious, open to learn, um, having a growth mindset, bringing optimism to work every day, being willing to be vulnerable, being willing to put yourself in uncomfortable circumstances and coming out the other side of that is really important. So you might say that that's resilience. I'm not sure that word gets thrown around a lot, but I think it's about for me actually being willing to show up sometimes not always with a popular idea but if it's the idea that you believe is the best for the most or however that is the biggest impact in a positive way then I think that it's about demonstrating that you're as committed to that vision as everyone you're expecting everyone else to be Um, that's what I think uh, leadership would be about and so if I was telling people to I guess study something or you know bring something out within themselves, I'd say it's definitely more the emotional, personal resilience end of that spectrum more than an academic kind of achievement or particular um, tick box as such for being a leader. And then once you've worked yourself out and once you know that you've got the right plan, relentlessly communicating that and never giving up on the idea that I can 
sit back and just let it go now because people seem to be on board because that that just doesn't happen I don't think it's about signaling being willing to stand by it put people first turn up own it that's another thing and make decisions and then turn up and own those decisions (laughs) being genuine right yeah so I'm hearing growth mindset yes and then I suppose ownership Ownership, definitely. That's a good one. Yeah, thanks for that. It's all right. I'm just I'm, I'm <laughs> You're paraphrasing. I'm paraphrasing. Yeah, good job. Ownership, growth mindset, um, curiosity and communication. But it's not just about community. That's like such a broad word. Absolutely. I think it's more about, um, you know, actively seeking, being curious and then giving back information in a clear way that people can buy into. I love that. Mm. I mean, there's a whole book, I think, on mindset. Carol mm. Dweck. Mm. Um, oh, there's, yeah. It's literally like around a fixed mindset versus growth mindset. Incredible mm-hmm. book. It's a great book. She actually yeah. runs through all the experiments that she's done and, you know, as in like with real people, not experimental monkeys, <laughs> to your point earlier, um, where like she was testing what's happening um, with different students and, and their belief system and what they thought they could achieve and it was more around academic performance they were testing uh, right if this student believed they were good at a certain subject you know um since whatever year eight year nine and then they wanted year 10 and how they perform versus someone else who thought "Mm, i'm not great but i will get better and they actually track them and they realized people were really really getting better but those who actually believed that's it i'm bad they generally kept a fairly constant performance throughout Mm. I think that's where my addiction to university comes in because and it's not just about university, it's about study, but I think that that's what keeps things, for me, in that kind of growth mindset um, capacity. It makes me ensure that I'm always taking on feedback because you have to, and especially like, you you know, you need to make sure that you're able to craft and communicate to a plan, um, get audience buy-in, take on feedback, be resilient in that feedback and turn up and do it all again. You know, it, and it also allows, I think, for more of dynamic opinions or points of view to be coming in and then for you to critique them and put back out something that you believe in. Yeah. In the last section of the podcast, now we call these short questions, but the answers don't have to be short. Okay. What advice would you give your 18-year-old self? Oh, goodness me. (laughs) Do what you want to do. That's my advice, um, I think. And that comes back to, again, not like a run amok necessarily isn't the view that I want, but when you're 18, I don't think you need to be thinking necessarily about when you're 40. When you're 18, just do what you want to do. Like, go out there who you want to be study what you're interested in get the job make the friends have an eye on uh, making sure that you're living for what you want at 18. what's the best piece of advice you've gone in the context of leadership and then followed by the worst piece of advice oh my goodness ah I wish I'd thought about this one earlier because I'm sure that there are people that are thinking, if they listen to this, they'll be thinking, oh, I've said something amazing to her at some point in time <laughs> and now I, I can't give them credit let's, for let's it. Put it. Let's phrase yeah. it as one of the best. As one of the best. <laughs> <laughs> you don't want to offend anyone here. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I've had some really amazing mentors. I think the best advice um, that I have been given really is to, like I've said here to both of you today, like owning your decisions 
own who you are um, and, and just don't try and be anything else. So even if you're setting a vision and if you're trying to live it out, you don't turn up and pretend at all. Just be you and trust that you are what is needed for that to be realised. What was that. the other one? Or the worst. Um, the worst. Oh, gosh. Um, That's okay. They have to disclose names and experiences. Just yeah. literally what? I'd say some of the worst advice, uh, and it's not necessarily just one, a one-liner or a one person that I can think of with this, but it's almost been a theme of every now and then advice that kind of simmers around leadership, and that is that, okay. you know, if um, just do it, or like that kind of theme of if if you want it enough, then just roll it out. They'll get on board, just roll it out. And I don't believe that that's good advice because I think it's actually more about spending the time in building the connection, showing who you are, demonstrating growth rather than just a trail, you know, over everybody. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. Just it's not very deep it. advice, but yeah, exactly. That. <laughs> no, 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 no. It was more of, you know, I the, think I the get passing basically, comments of yeah. just, you know. Get on with things. Exactly. Just Command do and it. control it to happen. That's not good leadership <laughs> advice. I, I'd say the better leadership advice is to um, be emotionally involved with people and the purpose. Yeah. And one final one, it's not written there, but I love this question. If you only could give your children one book, what book would you give them? Do you know what? That's actually an easy question to answer. I would give them Oh, The Places You'll Go by Dr. Zeus. Okay, I haven't yeah. read that. Oh, you haven't read that? I haven't, but I have heard that it's a really good book. Yeah, oh, wow. uh, and I think that's, I would have chosen anything by Dr. Zeus because that's the, I guess, a huge part of my childhood my dad would read those books and do all the different voices and like you know really create them and make them real for us as children so you know got some personal links there but also that particular book is just about I think inspiring people to take opportunities and believing that you will take an opportunity and it might not always go well but manage the risk around it and do it anyway because it's an opportunity that's the idea. If it doesn't go well, take a new one. Exactly. Yeah. Choose your it. own adventure. I love it. Thank you, Liz. Uh, I, I've loved this conversation and it's been a privilege to live through your experiences and learn from you. Absolutely. Thank you. I think there are a trillion questions in my head and I kept to go, I mean, <laughs> we've got limited time here, but um, we could definitely go for a part two in the future. 100%. Easy. Um, thank you for your time. Thank you. Uh, Thanks really, for really having the conversation. It. I've appreciated it too. You've made me think about things I wouldn't have otherwise thought of had we not had the conversation today. There you have it, everyone. That was the first episode of Lead Podcast. We thank you for tuning in and listening to it. We really do hope you enjoyed it as much as we did making it. Please let us know what resonated with you the most by tagging us in your LinkedIn and Instagram posts. Please also be sure to leave your reviews on Apple Podcasts and Spotify as it will help us improve and grow over time. We have so many exciting guests and episodes ahead and we cannot wait to share them with you. But for now, you lead the way.